this is going to be an interesting chat because actually the there isn't a lot of information out there about this stuff and there certainly isn't a lot of information about people talking you know who do do things differently talking through the process mm. um so in today's uh, episode of Murdering a Podcast, we're going to be talking about the difference between character and story-driven plots, yes. and uh, we'll get started after these messages. They're not messages, it's just a <laughs> Welcome to Murdering a Podcast, two writers' journey to produce a narrative murder mystery. Okay, so... Um, I don't really know where to start on this one because uh, initially I, I suppose you'd start with a story-driven plot because that's when, when you'd say plot, that's the thing that kind of comes to people's minds, right? You, you think, oh, the plot, yeah. that's the things that happen. But but actually there's a lot of stuff that only happens because the characters sit there anyway. And I, I, not to kind of prejudge where we're going to go with the conversation, but I think what we'll probably find by the end of it is that actually thinking about plot based on whether it's a character or a story, kind of two sides of the same coin anyway. Because mm. without your characters, your plot won't happen. And without, oh, sorry, your story won't happen. And without your yeah. story, your characters won't have anything to do. So, um, now I know you you do a lot of character stuff, and you start with the character stuff from there. Yeah. So how do you how does that evolve your story? Well, I've just I've just learned a link actually in the in the private chat that we've got going on next to the recording. Um, there's there's a, a, a website that I've just found, Doris Dorrance Publishing Co. Um, hopefully, we'll put the link on. It's an American website, we and it, have it a link. It describes the difference perfectly between character-driven and um, story-driven, so or plot-driven. Um, so, I, if I read this, it says, "If you aren't if you aren't familiar with these writing styles, here is a quick overview. Character-driven writing is focused on the characters and the internal change, more so than the events and situations that take place. While plot-driven writing is focused on actual happenings and the external changes of the story. So." What that means for me is when I'm writing my characters, I'm more focused on things like their their inner conflict, their personal growth. So when I'm creating my character dossiers, I look at their core wounds. I look at their... So when I'm talking about their story arc, I put character conflicts. I focus more on the character's individual sort of... Sure growth and, co and story arc mm. and how that's going to be affected by what's going on rather than what's going on so i tell the ca character stories rather than the the and the larger story kind of yeah, gets told yeah of course via that if that it's i i find it so hard to explain no but that it, does make a lot of sense actually um uh, whereas i suppose the, the plot stuff is um the, the, the having a, a greater emphasis not on the internal stories of the characters but on the external influences on the characters so you're mm -hmm. still dealing with character but you're just dealing with things that are um slightly different i suppose yeah um so i when i do mine i create the characters and i think about who they are and mm -hmm. what situations they might get themselves into um and my storylines tend to be more based on, like I say, the character's growth, the character changes, the character arts, which is why I struggle with the anthology style of things where you have that thing where it resets at the beginning because sure. that doesn't necessarily suit something that is primarily character-focused, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does make sense. But you um, use a different approach, don't you? So. Well, sort of. I mean, I, I, I and again, this largely comes through sketch writing. So, if you're writing a sketch and it's going to be a regular sketch on something, uh, then you need to be able to kind of stop what you're doing at the end and reset everything to the beginning, and then carry on next week. You know, the the basics of your situation, like if you're writing a sitcom, the basics of your situation need to remain the same each time. So any character growth is going to be fairly minimal. Otherwise, they will break out of the situation that you've put themselves in. Mm. Um, yeah, I know what you meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you put yes, them in. 
<laughs> uh, you put them, yes, exactly. Uh, th- they've put themselves in, I should say. Uh, yeah, that's it, that's, it, that's, that's it, that's the, it. Yeah. Um, but that's completely different from... Uh, but actually, no, you can think about that like uh, Hitchhiker's Guide is plot-driven because you're not dealing with the internal journey of Arthur Dent. He doesn't change. Yeah, throughout the books, the beginning of of uh, mostly harmless. He's the same person he was at the end of Hitchhikers. You know, he's maybe understands the universe a little better, but is still shocked and dis- dismayed by it. You know, yeah. Um, His understanding of what's happened grows, but him as a person doesn't. Doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you think about any sitcom, Friends is always the sitcom that kind of gets that brought up a lot because it's so structured. Mm. Um, I can't remember. I think it was, I think it was Nick Wilkes who showed me a link that was, somebody had broken down an episode of friends uh, and what happens in each episode of friends. And it's exactly the same for every episode of friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a, such a structure to it. Um, whereas I suppose there's other things that aren't, but again, there's there's still small amounts of growth, but it's not growth that actually changes the story too much. Um, whereas you might get something then like House of Cards, uh, and again, I talk about the original one because I didn't much like the American version, um, but uh, th- th- the original House of Cards, where by the end of House of Cards, a great sea change has happened. Mm. Uh, and yet, even then, that's not really a story about character because it's more about politics so the plot has to revolve around the politics of it um so yeah having having those internal journeys i think is important but i don't think well for me at least it it's not the basis of why i'm writing the story i'd say yeah um i'd say person of interest is a good example of character driven writing so they, you've got your main character, John Reese. Um, well, your main characters. So you've got John Reese, um, Harold Finch. I'm impressed I'm remembering them. Root <laughs> and uh, Samine Shaw. Those are your really core characters. You've also got uh, a couple of other people in there that, that sort of come in and out. Yeah, Elias being one of them. He's like this big gangster guy. But you look at the main characters and... So someone like Root, she starts off as this cold-blooded, murderous, um, like, killer for hire, cunning, no empathy. But it's how the interactions between each of them change the character. So by the end of it, she willingly puts her own safety at risk to keep somebody else safe, which is something she would never have done at the beginning in the first episode. But by the time you get to the last episode, she's actively putting her own life at risk to save other people. She had, because I don't know if you know the person of interest, it's the idea is that there's this all powerful machine that's watching everybody. And this guy, Harold Finch built it and he gets access to these irrelevant numbers, which are essential. So the, the machine gives relevant numbers to the government. These are the big crimes, the the terrorists, and they give irrelevant numbers to um, it gets rid of the irrelevant numbers. But because of how what happened to Harold, he then gets the irrelevant numbers and tries to save them. Right, he recruits right. Uh, John Reese and a few other people to help him do that. And it starts with John Reese. And when it starts again, he is a cold blooded killer. He is homeless. He is, he hates everything. He doesn't want to be exist. And then by the end of it, he's a whole different person that you see right at the end of the show. Um, he does things that he would never have done at the beginning. And, you know, you actively see their personal growth within, within the show. And then also some of the silly, you know, and, they learn from their mistakes. So when they make the mistakes, so Harold Finch makes some really bad mistakes thinking that he, he was in line with his integrity and he wasn't. And then later on, we see the, the, the play out of that mistake, which changes him as a person and changes Because sure. again, what he does in the last few episodes, he would never dream of doing at the beginning, you know, and it's, it's, I, I suppose one of the shows that you can focus on for kind of character growth is Dexter. 
Oh, I love Doctor. The whole thing that and and what sets up the character growth of it is that narration, is that narrated mm. voice over it. Whereas I only recently watched Darkly Seeking, the the latest one, uh, New Blood, is it? Uh, I don't the, know. I haven't seen it, and I desperately yeah, want. Yeah, and it's brilliant. It's really good, uh, and a and a great kind of uh, closure to the whole thing, which you want at the end of a season that may never come back. So yeah. Um, uh, so I've yes, I've just seen that, and it just reminded me that all the way along that series, you've got that narrator that is constantly telling you, "This is where I am, this is what's happening, and this is how it's changing me." Yes. Whereas, um, yeah. Well, go on. <laughs> I was going to say the books. I've got the. I've I've read the books as well. Right. Yeah, the yeah. storyline is completely different in the books. Yeah. Um, but it's very much very similar to you know in that in that vein where you you actively see his growth with that inner monologue. Sure, sure. So carry on sure. with what you were saying. I interrupted you. Well, no, that that <laughs> that is 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 pretty much uh, pretty much it. I, I mean, I, I don't think that focusing on character is a bad thing as well. I think that's mm. something that uh, we should really make clear. It doesn't matter which one of these that you choose. Like most most things in writing, there's no real yeah. wrong answer at all. It's whatever works best for you. And the I suppose the reasons that are taking me down a, a plot uh, path rather than a, a, a character one is purely because it was a problem-solving exercise at the time. Mm. You know, we needed a podcast. We needed a thing to do a thing with. And it, it just it, it lent itself to doing it this way well, I think um, the, the the plot driven certainly is better for things like parodies and comedy um like you were saying earlier with sitcoms it resets oh i think it's a necessity for sitcom but mm. i i you know I, I i can understand how actually in, in murder mystery that that might not necessarily be the best option whereas I, although i think sometimes in murder mystery you've got this kind of mix between uh the the plot and the uh character growths something like Poirot, for example, where mm. you've got the character growth of the characters in it, but Poirot himself doesn't change. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. You can absolutely mix and match, match as well. You can mm. have one character that stays the same. Again, it depends on the character that you've written. There are going to be characters that are just going to stay the same. I think New Girl is a really good example of of how, where they they've tried to do a character-based storyline but what they did was the main character, uh, Jess, started out as a complete whole person, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and yeah. it was the people yeah. around her that were just all a, all a mess. Yeah, and yeah. she had nowhere to go. She only had a small amount of growth in her. And as the series went on, it went more about the other people. My pussy's coming up for attention now. Um, well done. I know. Um, <laughs> if you're watching this, you'll see which which one it is. Um, but, Wait, what? Um, no, no. no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, that was a really good example of, I'd say is a good example of it. So it's a really good show. Love the show. Brilliant comedy. But it's where character-driven plot went wrong because they didn't start. They, yes, they tried it, but they didn't give it. Well, yeah. this, this is where a lot of... Uh, films go wrong having read a fair amount of film scripts in my time a lot of films go wrong by not having a desire for the main character that you know that 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 growth starts somewhere it starts with them needing some or rather them wanting something and then uh, at the uh, at the midpoint realizing that actually the thing that they wanted is either not good for them or not actually the thing that they needed and so the pursuit changes uh, halfway through um but that but that's the the kind of the classic character growth uh paradigm so mm. um i i think films do it better in that they they do focus on both well we need a plot and this is what the plot's going to be but then they also have the internal story of the protagonist as well yeah where and books do that very well as well whereas i, I think sometimes on tv shows it's a kind of an either or situation you know you get monster of the week yeah. in, uh, in in a series or you'll get something which is actually quite characterful and, and quite uh, uh led by the changing of the the uh, the characters and and it doesn't feel earned if the character hasn't changed enough by the end of the story i felt that with moon knight actually for a no. different reason i won't spoil it at all <laughs> But I, I did feel with Moon Knight that there was a there was a, um, 
as it was all in there, but because there was, it's only six episodes long. This is the best way I can describe it without spoilers. Mm. It's only six episodes long, and I wanted two more episodes. Yes, that yeah, because the, I I the journey, and they do some brilliant things along that journey, but because some of it is, and then there is a cut, and something's happened. Mm. That kind of it's jarring enough so that some of the time some of the decisions that they make or the places they end up don't feel quite as earned as they probably should do yeah um it would be nice if if in the in series two they went back over and looked at the bits that they don't show you in season one and then you would get that maybe i don't know i don't know that that's necessary um but perhaps it will be. I don't know. And and they, there's uh, Oscar Isaac isn't signed on for season two. He did, he only had his one series series, series contract. So I don't know that there will be a second oh, season. But hopefully, because actually I quite like the character and would like to see more of it. And he was brilliant. Mm. Um, the uh, a lot has been spoken about the fact that he's got multiple personalities in this. The idea. Um, uh, the, yes yeah the, yeah because it, it, it there's there's it, a lot of concern in the did community about how it's been represented because a lot of um a lot of ways uh, yeah DID it's been represented, represented as, as it, it's actually quite cool and there's two of you and and it's not yeah it, it's, it's really not when talking so i i would be a bit cautious yeah. about saying that's what it is I, uh, I, I i think it's probably safer to say he is somebody who ends up being a superhero who has um a second uh, person living within I, him <laughs> yeah or yeah possessed by a, a a demigod thing i mean they explain what happens in 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 the thing but again yeah. it, it's I, I think it's safer to say this is the marvel superhero way of dealing with a a mental illness rather than actually yeah. being a, a, a mental illness yeah because it's, 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 yeah that's one of the things that you've got to be very, very careful when you're dri- writing uh, character-driven plots, when you are dealing with something that's meant to do with mental illness or something along those lines, because it's if you get it wrong, you could really perpetuate some really nasty stigmas. Um, well, this is what we were talking about last, last not last week, the week before, with um, research and mm. some of the things that you really do need to look into when, when you're doing uh, research about something. I think it's okay to say uh, person A is a psychopath if it's, yes. a, if it's a, 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 a small part of the thing, if it's just justification for something, because that's how people talk. Yeah. But if you're really doing an in-depth character study of a psychopath and you get that wrong, then you're not doing anybody any good. Really. No, that's it. I mean, it's there's a lot of stuff that that um, portrays psychopaths as cool, and we will go into sort of um, the darker personalities and 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 these sort of personality styles um, because I I tend to use a lot of those for for the really bad people in my in my storylines. Um, but again, it's it's being very very careful because um, not every psychopath is 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 dangerous. Um, I've met somebody who was a good would be classed as what's called a good psychopath. Hey, because yeah, he was like one of the, he was a lovely person. Like <laughs> you're going to know this, and I won't. What's the percentage yeah. of psychopaths in the population? We don't know. No one knows. That is right. the, the honest right. answer because um, with psychopaths, uh, the only time that you find a psychopath is when they kill someone and then they get, when they I commit see, a violent right. crime. So, mm. but because the vast majority of psychopaths, and this is a little fun fact that, that, uh, that it's not 100% we know this for a fact, but it's kind of a people tend to a lot of psychiatry tends to go yes we think this is the case so a lot of psychopaths go into um politics into high-end jobs you get them in the in the higher end of the management yeah. ceos yeah um yeah. you get them in you know certain uh, uh certain politicians very clearly psychopaths um they tend to be more in the again depending on the type of psychopath they have you can get the white collar crimes they tend to be the non-violent psychopath they're not good psychopaths but they're non-violent then you mm. have what's his name uh i can never remember his name james something i get james uh hold on uh, I've got to look up his name, so I'm going to quickly look it up. Um, I, I won't guess, just in case we inadvertently libel somebody. <laughs> he is uh, discovers 
discovers. He's just, ah, there he is. Um, his name is, oh, it doesn't fucking tell me. Of course it doesn't. James Fallon. So it's a guy called James Fallon. He is what's called a good psychopath. So he's never committed a crime, never been abusive, never hurt people. Okay. But, um, because when he was raised, he was raised in a loving, empathic home. So one of the things that people don't know about psychopaths is they have really, really strong, um, it's not moral code, but it, it kind of works as a moral code. So some psychopaths will say, I will never hurt a child. And right. Yeah. I see. So they I will see. never hurt a child. And then if they, but if they see someone hurting a child, they would quite happily murder that person without thinking about it. Whereas the rest of us, if you see someone hurting a child, right. wouldn't necessarily think stabby, stabby, shooty, shooty kind of thing. They would go straight for boom into that, but not necessarily, but that would be more, you know, I'm muddling That's up my very brain. interesting, actually, because it but kind it's... of it links in into a bit into one of the problems that I've had with the recent series of Doctor Who, mm. where you've got and it, it's it's a plot it's a plotting problem it's a it's a dialogue problem really, where you've got they've clearly got a thing that they want to get across in that episode. Mm. So in Arachnids in the UK, which I think is one of the most egregious version, uh, examples of it, uh, the thing they want to get across in that episode is guns are bad. Mm. And because they get across guns are bad in the episode, the, the villain of the piece shoots a giant spider who is suffocating to death with a gun. And that is seen to be a bad thing, even though actually most of us, because we're in a society which would... would put an animal down to stop it from suffering yeah would would see that you know maybe not a good thing but maybe yeah in the yeah but this is i mean this is the thing when you're dealing with writing a character who is a psychopath is that you've got to get it right you cannot glorify it so there's a lot of writers who glorify psychopathy um you cannot vilify it too much because there are genuine people out there who have got psychopathic tendencies who aren't violent who aren't nasty who aren't abusive they they can be a bit callous they can be yeah yeah unkind i mean when james fallon found out that he was a psychopath he, he told everyone he said do you think i'm a psychopath and all his friends went Yes. <laughs> Everybody who knew went, well, that really wouldn't surprise me, really. Um, <laughs> but because he's got this strong moral, you know, he, he's been taught this strong moral code of, I will not hurt the people I yeah. care, not care about. I think it's the wrong word I am loyal to because they have a sure. different loyalty. A psychopath sure, can be very loyal sure. to somebody. Once that loyalty ends, they are hard work to get away from. <laughs> they are scary when they don't want, they, if they don't like you, they can be very scary. But right, right, right. it's that thing of, um, I'm trying to do, trying to sort of get it right because it's so important. Yeah. Um, and the more you learn about things like psychopathy, the more you realise you don't know. So it's like it, there is no diagnosis of psychopathy, mm -hmm. but um, I can't remember something hairs test. There's a something called the hairs something and something hairs test. I can't remember what it's called. Um, the psychopathy test where you look for psychopathic traits. And mm -hmm. there's a really, really good thing on YouTube called I psychopath. It's about a guy and I'm forgetting names left, right and center here. <laughs> um, I'll have to look up his name, but he's um, it's about a guy who is a self-aware um I psychopath. We'll try and he, get a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, it, it's um, so it's about a guy who is a diagnosed psychopath. He's quite well known. Um, in he's a he claims to be a qualified psychiatrist. Um, we're going to believe him because we don't see anything otherwise. But there's there's a lot of stuff in this this film that kind of makes you doubt some of the stuff. But he talks about what it's like to be a psychopath. Um. And then you've also, but again, portraying a psychopath. So I think the one place that gets it right is the Invisible Man, the film Invisible Man. Now, is this the recent Bloomhouse? Yes, the so, most recent yeah. one. Oh my gosh. She's very good, which if you haven't oh. seen it, again, I'll leave a link to Amazon. Yeah. Uh, Be can, warned, yeah. if you have ever been gaslit, you've ever been in a psychologically abusive relationship or any kind of abusive relationship, it can be very, very triggering because... It is ah the guy's name Sam Vankin. Um, we'll go back to that in a sec. But um, the uh, it, it can be very very triggering because it does show what it's like to be gaslit. And when I watched, it, I have been heavily gaslit, and 
it is you're watching it and it just evokes so many feelings but the way they did it the way they dem- they showed this this psychopath in action uh, the last scene of the of the of the of the film is just haunting because of the way this psychopath reacts to 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 his alleged victim mm-hmm. it's just it's it's terrifying they don't glorify him they don't make him feel out to be this you know this glorified yeah, you know, su- yeah. like a super villain or a superhero. They they show you exactly what he is. Um, well, well I, I did, it's a- interesting to look at uh, Invisible Man as a as a, a piece of filmmaking because it's you know after Universal tried to do the Universal Dark Universe thing mm. and failed miserably with the Mummy. Because mm. it it didn't feel like a kind of a, like like the sort of film that that people wanted to wanted from a mummy film. They wanted an action adventure like the like Brendan Fraser one version of it. I, I love yeah. I recently I, I bought that. them on Amazon the other day. There was a bundle <laughs> deal, so I I got them because they're brilliant fun. They they're are just so, so much fun. fun. Um, I now I, need those movies. You do well. Not only that not only that, you. but that uh, that Jungle Cruise thing with the Rock. I haven't seen that. Is it uh, good? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I've been debating um, whether to watch that on when, on my Sunday yeah, Sunday no, no, I, day. Because it, it's, again, because it's just fun. Sure, there yeah. are problems with it. There are loads of problems with it. But it's just silly, fun, escapist stuff that you can just put on and enjoy. Yeah. And, and that's what I liked about it. Uh, Uncharted. Now... I know that there's a lot of people who didn't like the the film because they really liked the game. Mm. And it's not like the game, which is fair enough. I've never played the games and I came to it pretty new. And again, it was like that kind of Indiana Jones was searching for a lost treasure thing. It's exactly what I wanted from a film. Um, It's not a good film, but fun enough to kind of turn your brain off to and, and, and watch and get some enjoyment out of watching it, you know. just going back onto our subject sorry i just would you say those films are character or plot driven oh that's interesting uh mm. yes that is interesting uncharted is uh, very much plot driven but ha- it doesn't have much in terms of character development but it has a little bit in the middle of it yeah. um the mummy i i think has uh unearned character development in it it happens in between episodes at the end of uh the first mummy prendon fraser's character hasn't really learned anything but by the next film he's in a relationship with rachel weiss's character and you kind of uh, that happened in between stuff you know it it, Mm. it was character development that didn't actually exist uh but it's kind of assumed and that happened a lot in especially in sort of 80s movies where they made a film and then all of a sudden they would they greenlit a sequel um and there was no original plan for a sequel so they've made the characters move on so it's quite interesting to sort of see that development happen but um it, it's it's not really a, a, a character driven thing so uncharted i think is plot driven the mummy i think is plot driven the the mummy the one with tom cruise in i Mm. think is more character driven because it's more about tom cruise well everything's about tom cruise (laughs) whenever he's in the film to be fair tom cruise if you know the song is tom cruise crazy yes he's a member of a cult so yeah (laughs) (laughs) We didn't say that, though, sorry, Scientologists. We didn't say that. Ignore that I said that. Pretend I didn't say it. Yes. Don't come after me. So um, what would you say, uh, I, we've spoken about Dexter, obviously. Uh, mm. What would you say is a good example of a very famous character-driven, I guess, yeah, now I'm thinking Taxi Driver, or if you haven't seen Taxi Driver, Joker, which is essentially the same film. Something that's it's not particular. It's a famous thing, but it's it's quite it's a new release of it, which is Shira, the new um, Shira on Netflix. Right, right. Beautiful, beautifully, uh, just just freaking 
beautiful. Like, um, I have never been so impressed with something. Like, like I said, last time I got so excited was with um, uh, Gravity Falls. Like that. Right. That's another example. These are both cartoons, but the new version of Shira is essentially the storyline is about people escaping an abusive family uh, story, uh, family dynamic into a healthy family dynamic, and it sounds like a nice, simple storyline. It is. That's the beauty. This is why it makes, um, I think this is really where th- with character driven things, you tend to have quite a simple storyline underneath and then you have all these complex storylines with mm. the characters. And Catra and Scorpia are the two, I mean, She-Ra doesn't, she go, undergoes some amount of um, character growth to some extent. She, be, she is very, very different at the end. There's certain things right. that she would do at the end and she wouldn't do at the beginning, but she doesn't go through the biggest character growth. Her character growth happens quite early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but Katra, she, her character growth is huge. She goes from being, I can't tell you, um, she goes from do, like being, doing just, just being one person and but the t- Mm, so good. I'm trying really hard not to ruin the plot because she is really part okay. of the She, she uh, has Scorp- a massive amount of character yeah. changes um, and things, I think. And one of the ways they do that, I'll, I'll use Scorpio because she's not one of the biggest characters in there. One of the ways they do that is they, they with her, they show them in the toxic dam- dynamic. They also demonstrate perfectly why people don't leave, which is they don't know any different. <laughs> and then... Right. Right. She gradually glimpses these, this you know, she glimpses the other side, and she realizes actually these are, these these are all lies that are telling us. I think she ends up getting called prisoner, and the dungeon, the so-called dungeon, is a luxury bedroom in the healthy side, in the good good camp, right. and okay. it's just and she's like. This is the dungeon. She's like, yeah, well, actually, it's the spare room. Um, we can lock the door. And that's pretty much it. And they look after her as this prisoner. And she sees that this this difference. And because of the way she's being treated mm. so differently, you see this massive arc. And something happens to her that makes her kind of go backwards a bit. But then you see this massive shift forward. And it's, but that new character comes through and, and, and her, her underlying goodness just is drives through this whatever it is that happens to, to make it go backwards. Um, I'm trying to think of one. There's one that really, really irritates me because it's a particular character. Because whilst Blacklist is really, really good for dialogue, some of their character developments can be a little bit annoying. Um, sure. So with the main character, Liz, she kind of goes, while she's got this dramatic character, character arc and a very big character growth, you can't necessarily see she's a better person in the end, but she's certainly a different one. Um, one of the things that you get with that one is is you've um, she flip flops. Um, there's other characters there that they'll say one thing and and then do another, not say one thing and do another, but say one thing one minute and then they go backwards and their the character growth is all over the place. They don't mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm grow they kind of you see them grow and then they go backwards they see them grow and i'm thinking is that more realistic well does it look odd because it's more realistic or it might be i suppose but then is it i do you go for the sort of realism of it or do you go for the satisfaction thing you know because a lot Mm. of people will, will just want to have that kind of that uh that moment where the audience uh, it goes. Ah, yes. That now I'm satisfied in the story that's been told, uh, and I, yeah. I'm not sure that you will always get that in that that circumstance. But yeah, and it, it it's quite that that I think that's the challenge. Is, is do you go for the satisfaction for the audience, or do you go for the realism? And I think it's a I think it's caref- making a careful balance um, of them, and it depends on the type of character. Because again, certain type of personality styles won't grow, uh, right? Because right. they are psychologically incapable of, of of it um they can but they very rarely do um and those are people with extremely toxic narcissistic personality styles so we are all narcissistic every person on the planet is narcissistic because narcissism is a survival trait it's essentially your self-interest to stay alive right. um so uh craig malkin talks about it a lot dr craig malkin in rethink narcissism where he says well we're all narcissistic it just depends on which end of the scale it is is it not healthy narcissism which is essentially survival traits 
or toxic narcissism, or are we looking at the extreme other end, which is echoism, which is the complete opposite? If you don't know the myth to narcissism, oh, of echo, narcissus, and, and yeah. So if you don't know it, look it up. It's a fascinating um, thing. I won't explain it because most people who've learned about narcissism has read it a hundred times. Um, but uh, it's, and if you if you want um, if you a good place to start with all of this stuff is the Greek myths. Because mm. a lot of stuff comes from the or allusions to things come from the Greek myths. Yeah. So getting a handle on those, if you wanted to, um, Stephen Fry's books on uh, mythos and and heroes, and I can't remember the other one he had. Uh, oh, they're he all did on, the Iliad, all, didn't he? Are all excellent. Um, they're and, all on audiobook as well, and I think they're part of your yeah. part of your uh, subscription. You get them without any extra money, I think, because I've got I, them all downloaded. Well, I don't know because I bought them all anyway as they were coming out, but they're <laughs> definitely worth what, worth listening to or reading. Um, as is Neil Gaiman's uh, Norse mythology as well. Mm. Which is available as a BBC audio play. I think it's BBC Ooh. anyway. It's available as an audio play, and that's worth uh, uh, listening to as well. Well, I just uh, we will go into more sort of about the dark personalities and stuff. But yeah, it's with a with a, somebody who is he's more on the toxic narcissist. You know, like has a complete narcissistic personality style. One of the things you don't want to do is is harm people who are actively trying to get better. You also got to make sure that people are aware who are with in in those you know who who know somebody like that who is harming them that you've got to make it clear that that person's not going to get better if you you know just because they say they will kind of yeah. thing you got to be so careful. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the idea is that somebody who is inc- has that really toxic narcissistic personality style is somebody who will never see themselves as a problem and they will never admit that they've ever done anything wrong. They will always blame the other person Mm. um, or more often than not. Um, And there is a big thing in, in psychology where they say that people who have that narcissistic personality style are incapable of growth. Now, one of the things I would disagree on is that, well, they can grow in terms of they get better at being abusive. They get, right. they learn how to do that better as right, time yeah. goes on, but they don't, ne- unless they are lucky enough. There's one guy called Lee Hammock on, on um, YouTube. He, um, he does, he is a self-aware narcissist diagnosed and he's in therapy. Now he will say he, he isn't an ex-narcissist. He will always be a narcissist, but what he's trying to do is redirect his narcissistic tendencies. So he's never going to get rid of them, but he's redirecting them into something more positive that's helping people. And he said the only reason why he actually went to therapy to manipulate his girlfriend into coming back. And he just right. happened to have a really good therapist. And he walked in and the, 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 he said the therapist was so good. He said he kept going back and then they actually broke through something. And then he actually started learning about it and, and started improving. And he realized that actually this this was going to help. There's a, he's got a story on his, his, his YouTube channel in terms of how to do it. So you've got to be careful because there are, are people out there who, who have got really extreme narcissistic style personalities, but who are genuinely desperately trying to get better and try to be better yeah, people yeah, yeah, they don't yeah, like it yeah. because essentially the toxic narcissism is born either from being spoiled or from trauma and it, i think it depends on where you're coming from in that there's people who create become narcissistic because they were spoiled but uncared for um tend to be less able to change or, or grow people who were not who were abused and then became narcissistic have a better chance if they can get into therapy and they can get the right support with a good specialist so does does that make sense it does yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that's that. This is just my theory. I can't, I can't say for sure, but that's just what I've read and what I've, I understand. So I take that into consideration with my characters, and I go, well, where did, why is this person in, in this, this, with this particular personality style? Mm. So growth just entirely depends as well on the personality style. We're going back into sort of character creation and things. Yeah, yeah. But somebody uh, some kids are, are having a proper argument outside my window i just heard a kid going you're dead you are um and then the other kid shouting back so he's clearly not dead that Either were at that the start of the zombie apocalypse zombie apocalypse i was just yeah the the, 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 the 
or as they say in Greece, I'm, the zombie Acropolis. Acropolis. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the. They keep promising zombies, and it never delivers. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. I well, mean, the, uh, yeah. okay. So, uh, uh, right. I, I just, I, I yes. waffled for too long My there. Sorry, brain's gone. Uh, so, world, uh, world, the plot. That's where we are. Yeah, uh, Plot-driven plot stories that you like in film. Oh, that one's harder because I because my writing style is, tends to be more character driven. I tend to prefer to watch character driven things. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't be able to say film, but I would say um, again, even Red Dwarf is quite character driven. Um, but then, yes, but there's again, there's very little growth in Red Dwarf. Mm, I think Crichton's got ironically the uh, the Android. <laughs> The biggest personality growth. Um, yeah, but again, again, you know, that's that's not over. You know, in, in season three, he doesn't change very much. He, yeah, that's in true. Season actually, four, yeah. he he doesn't change very much. Um, it's it's a very gradual thing, and it kind of happens mm. again. I think between series a lot, a, a lot in Red Dwarf. Uh, yeah. Okay, this season we're going to go with this because it's a fun thing to explore. I think. Although than, they do tend to forget and ignore plots that they've that they. Oh yeah, um, yeah, completely. Set up and then. They, but then that's, just standard, the that's, a, that's a usual sitcom thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I no, I don't know. Really, would be the answer to that one. I don't have any films that I can think of offhand that are. Actually, I would say Silence of the Lambs. That's more. That's more plot driven. Um, cause you don't really see much, you see a little bit of growth with the main character, but not much. She stays quite, her character stays really similar throughout the film, I would say. I've, I've not read the books, so I don't know if it's, it, it's different in the books, but I, I'd agree that's actually, there's, um, there's not much character growth. I think there's more character growth in that though than something like, um, well, I mean, like the mummy that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, some of those sort of action films, but then you kind of expect the action films to be less introspective anyway. And I think that's why, that's why you mm. get that. Um, that are again, we saying, I, are we getting to the end? Because we're, we're nearly at the end of, 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 yeah. of the show. Are we getting to the well, end of the show and saying, actually, the, the, the way that you choose to do this is really kind of dependent on the genre and the style of story that you need to t- tell in the first place? Well, yeah, because you're saying things like, you know, action films are more or more plot driven. That would be why I don't really watch a lot of plot driven things, because I don't watch action films as much. I like them and I enjoy them, but mm. I prefer psychological thrillers, <laughs> sure. which is probably oh. where I'm going with that. So, yeah, I would agree with you. It depends on the style. It depends on what you prefer as well. Like then there's, if you... there's, there's then stuff like Holmes and Watson. Mm. That is, I mean, that is all plot driven there's very little character growth character development in those stories the new sherlock there's a lot more growth in terms of the characters so the way they've written that sherlock towards the sort of later series is a very different although he's because he's a sociopath so he's not going to grow a lot yeah but the the characters that are capable of the, the big growth like watson he's a very you see that he's got a massively yeah, yeah, I think that's because they've largely ch- sort of cherry picked the the those moments of change within the books and uh, mm. uh, and done it. But if you go from sort of story to story to story in the in the actual uh, original texts, there isn't much of a change there because I mean, again, I suppose that's the way that it was it was um, put together mm. because uh, that is a very monster of the week kind of thing. And I suppose yeah. even if you take things like Buffy. Which has a lot of character growth and character development in it. Yeah, that's still that kind of monster of the week thing. So by the end of the week, you kind of reset to the beginning. You kind of have, you know, that the people tune in for what's the plot this week. The character development happens as a as a kind of an aside, and I think it's something that people like, but it's not. Well, we can. Rick and Morty is a good one for that because they they use a cycle that actively looks to grow the characters at the end. I mean, yeah, the yeah. Rick that you see now is a very different Rick at the beginning. He's starting to realize that he may be the drama. We talked about you know? when we were <laughs> talking about moment, um, am I the drama? You know, we were talking about plots and stuff. We were talked a little bit, I think, about Rick and Morty, but definitely the Dan Harmon, uh, Dan the Harmon Dan Harmon story cycle. cycle thing, which is essentially uh, the um, hero's journey steps only in a in a more codified way easier to yeah. follow 
And I, pref- I mean, I. It's also interestingly. It's, it's, I'm. I'm making youtube videos this week and i've been writing little scripts for them which i didn't do before um and i'm using the dan Harmon's uh, story circle to make sure that it's got a kind of plot that people want to follow mm. which i've never i haven't done that before so it's, it's kind oh. of interesting way of doing it growth, growth. um <laughs> but this I is the thing what, i think I, I need a lot less growth than most people <laughs> Well, yeah, I think we, well, I, I think everybody needs growth. I think that's, that's the thing. We all need to grow. I could do shrinkage. That's what, it is. that's what I could yeah. do. <laughs> um, um, I think, to, to be fair, it, you know, a good one in terms of, of to understand growth is, is, again, it's a psychology book by Carol Dweck called Growth Mindset. And it talks about right, different right, mindsets yes. people yeah. have, fixed mindset or growth mindset. Yeah. And you can create character you can use those two mindsets to create characters mm-hmm. and you can find somewhere in the middle you can go well they might have a growth mindset on this but a fixed mindset on that i personally think per, uh, which style you choose is down to what you prefer as a writer what you prefer in terms of the type styles of things that you watch what's easiest for you i don't think there's a wrong answer for it and like no, you said no, it, I think you're right because I think and, you can... and again, you know, what sort of story do you want to tell? If you want to mm. tell something where there's a, uh, you know, massive growth in a character, and I, and I think that, despite what we've said, I think there isn't there isn't a series where there isn't some growth in character. Yeah, uh, it's just that in in some, it's very much put on the back burner. I tell it's the same as the difference between, at least for me, the difference between a sitcom and a comedy drama. Yes. So a sitcom for me is something which puts the comedy right at the forefront. And that's mm. the reason for the thing being told. Whereas a comedy drama is something that puts the comedy on the back burner and it's the drama elements that are the things that drive the story forward. And I think there's a perfect analogy in terms of the difference between our writing. You tend to go more for the sitcom side where you put your comedy in the I, forefront. I go and back then, to what I know, you know. Yes. Yeah. And I do the other way around where it tends to be a comedy drama. My style of comedy is very different to yours. But if I'm writing prose, and I haven't done that for a little while, but, you know, if I'm writing prose, I will go with what the character is is doing and learning and feeling first because that is a better way of dealing with it. See, where I'm on the rare occasion that I do write prose, mine I don't put any comedy in it <laughs> I, I i just nope none it's yeah, not yeah i don't i don't i mean i it whereas I, again, when i'm writing it's difficult scripts, to remember I, I do the... there's 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 definitely comedy in will shakespeare superhero um <laughs> but there wasn't in the books that i ghost wrote because it wasn't mm. appropriate for it but um it's it, yeah. yeah i think it's it's, I, it's sorry no go on go, go ahead I can't remember what I was going to say. I think it, 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 I, I think it was just going to reiterate. I, I, I suppose again, we're coming back to that point. It's about appropriateness, and if in yeah. your head the appropriateness is, well, I want to focus on this character because this character's story and this character's journey is the most important thing to me, then you're going to do something which is going to be character driven. If mm. you're very excited about telling the story of how this thing happened, then you're probably going to end up being plot driven. But whichever way you end up uh, is, as long as it's right for you, then it's the right thing to do. Though I should point out, and I think we should always point out, that Terry Pratchett did this best, where he seems to have written many, many books that are both character and plot driven at the same time. (laughs) If you want to know how to write, just read any Terry Pratchett read, read book. Terry Pratchett. Just any of them. Just just yeah. read the Terry Pratchett series because he he is the master, as far as I'm concerned, of writing. Well, not, <laughs> not only that, but actually, if you you can look up on YouTube, and I won't leave links to these because there's so many of them. Uh, talks that he's done over the years, mm. uh, various different conventions and stuff, and at least once a, a, a talk somebody will ask him how do you get your ideas or how do you write this thing or something like that and there's always these little nuggets of stuff that you can grab from them. so do search for terry pratchett live or something like that and one, it does come up one book that i would recommend for any budding writer is the stephen king one on writing um oh yeah definitely definitely which is available as an audiobook as well if you want to yeah. do or listen to it instead um, it is such and, a good book uh i don't 
tend to like to recommend stuff that you have to pay a lot of money for. But Neil Gaiman's uh, writing thing on Masterclass is mm. a masterclass. Yeah, I haven't. I I need to earn more money, and then I will get Alan Moore's one as well because that's that's something that's been popping up on my uh, Facebook feed every so often. Is going, yeah, but we've got one with Alan Moore now, which I kind of want to. There are so many really, really good books for um, things, but for, for writing. One of the things I will say is I have got one. If you're looking for internal conflict, particularly for um, characters, character-driven plots, um, it's this series, which is the Writer's Thesaurus series. There's one on conflict thesaurus. You've got negative traits, personality, uh, pers- positive traits, um uh, uh, in a core wounds and they're really good just to touching points to give yeah. you ideas when you're running out because I mean they're not a definitive list but it just it's a good place to start um, if, especially if you're writing yeah. a lot of characters and yeah. so I would say it'd be worth recommending that series of books to anyone in our links if we can I, I will try and find it and put it on in the links in the show notes that's what I do uh, right and speaking of that is what I will need to be doing very shortly so we're going to have yeah. to end this particular session of murdering a podcast I wonder how podcasts how many podcasts we've murdered in the, in the uh, 40 odd minutes we've been on air Ooh, who knows uh, who, or who have we put you dream? off yet have we put you <laughs> off that's the question. There, uh, there is a lot of fo- we do are putting a lot of focus on the kind of the pre-writing stuff because uh, mostly because I know you do a lot of pre-writing stuff. Mm. Um, but uh, there is, of course, just the the kind of the belt and braces approach of you know get a piece of paper and start writing and see what happens because that yeah. does it, it is a it's a uh, a valid way of doing. Um, I think uh, we, getting we've... your thoughts down on paper. We've got something about um, writers' notebooks it, coming up, and I yeah, think that's yeah, a that's really good a good one that we can go into chat. on that one yeah. because that's what I use my writers' notebook for is to just write for just any mm. ideas. And it's a great way of unblocking yourself as well. If you if you're yeah. stuck with a blank page in front of you and you don't know what to do, just start writing absolutely anything. It doesn't matter what you start writing a shopping list and just let your mind wander and, and just follow on from what you. Free writing, um, where yeah, you it, just sit it there kind and of, it kind of write unblocks just, the process yeah. a bit. But, but yeah. that's for another time. Thanks ever so yes. much for watching. Don't forget, you can get our show notes at murderingapodcast.com and please do leave a review and a little star rating if you've got that on your thing. Till next time, five stars, so five star. five stars. <laughs> Till next Always. time, thanks for coming along. Bye, everybody. Bye bye. Bye. Don't forget to sign up for Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> That was Murdering a Podcast, and if you'd like to find out more information about the podcast, the Mystery Lounge, or anything mentioned in the show, please head over to murderingapodcast.com. The music was The Secret of Tiki Island by Kevin MacLeod, and the producer was Steve Meller. Until next time, thanks for listening.